The theme, as I said, was in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, um, 12 and 13. And it says this, take heed or be careful, brethren, saints, people that are here, all of you, I need you to take heed. This is a warning sign. If this, would be the, if this were a road sign, it would be the orange, it would be the red kind of triangle, right? I need you to, there's a warning sign ahead. I need you to be aware that something's going on. He says, take heed, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Unbelief um, is a really destructive force for us. Our whole salvation is based on belief. I haven't offered you any evidence that Jesus is here. Like, I don't have, like, a picture. I don't have, I have a written document. I have, I have my belief. But I am basing all of this on... This resonates with me. This makes sense to me. This is the truth because I believe it. That's all I have. All I've got is my belief and the scriptures telling us to be very careful of unbelief. Be very careful of the idea of that you just stop believing. And the way he puts this, he says, lest any of you, thank you Lord Jesus, let me go back. Take heed brethren, lest there be in any of you a evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Like, how do we keep each other close to God? The question is, how do we keep each other close to God? And verse 13 is the antidote to our unbelief. How do we do it? He says, but exhort one another. The word exhort is, we use it today, but not as often. It is strongly encourage or urge. I need to, and we need to, encourage one another. We need to urge each other. What you're doing, what you're believing, what you're acting out, what you are putting your time to is important. I'm urging you, keep it up. Keep going. I don't know if you've ever had an activity that you've grown a bit concerned with and you say, I'm about to give it up. And somebody comes and said, love what you're doing. Keep it up. Exhort one another. Like you've got to encourage each other to keep coming. Keep moving forward. Keep taking one step in front of the other. Part of the problem sometimes is that we think of our progress in terms of destination. That's not always what progress is. Progress is simply moving forward. Like putting one step in front of the other is you making progress. Regardless if you've reached your destination. So I need to encourage you, keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Keep knowing that the Lord will be with you. You feel like you're surrounded, you feel like your work is getting all over you. You're surrounded by him. You're absolutely surrounded by him. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Sometimes it only feels like the people who are hounding you have a voice in your head. But I'm here to tell you, regardless of what you're saying, even to yourself, you are surrounded by him. He's with you. He is with you and he is for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And this is what we have to remind each other of. That he is with you. He is for you. And the scripture in chapter thir- verse 13 says, but exhort one another daily. 
like you've been thinking of somebody who needs this encouragement and I'm telling you right now, send that text. I'm telling you right now, make that phone call. You've been thinking about that person and you're saying, well, why didn't they show up here and they're not doing the thing that they thought they were going to do and I'm encouraging you to reach out. Tweet them, Facebook message them, Instagram them, whatever thing you can think to do to get a hold of them, encourage them. <laughs> you are what's standing between them and their salvation and you have a responsibility. Man, I am thinking about how I show up here and the attitude I show up with. Because sometimes the attitude we show up with is the attitude people adopt. Like, so let's say you decided you wanted to have a get-together with me. And we show up to lunch, and I show up, and I'm in a terrible mood. One of the things that's going to happen is either your good mood will overcome my bad mood, or my bad mood overcomes your good mood. <laughs> so not only are you thinking about encouraging, but you've got to think about how you show up for people. Like, I've got to show up, and I don't care if they're in a bad mood, I'm going to bring them over to me. I'm going to be the force for good today. I'm going to overcome whatever they're going through today. I know they're concerned and they're, they're overwhelmed and they're distressed, but I'm going to let my light shine and let my salt be salt in their life. I'm going to let my light shine and I'm going to let my salt be salt in their life. I'm getting there in a second. I'm getting ahead of myself. But I'm gonna be, I'm gonna show up for them. One of the things we sometimes do when our confidence isn't great in the Lord is we allow the darkness to be dark and we decide we're gonna tamp down or hide our light. Like, we want people to feel comfortable around us and necessarily sometimes the contrast between who they are and who we are makes us uncomfortable. And I'm done. I'm done wrapping my light to make you feel comfortable. I'm going to shine. Some, you know what I've realized about uh, uh, darkness and creatures that live, love the dark? They don't like the light. They come out of night because that's when they're comfortable. You light up the place, they don't want anything to do with the light. So what I'm going to do is, I don't care whether you like darkness or light, I am light because the Lord said I am light, so I've got no choice but to shine. I'm going to shine, as the song said, shine, shine, shine. I'm going to just shine. You, 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 I don't care if you have light, that doesn't stop me from shining my light. It doesn't work against you if you're shining light and I'm shining light. No one, no one gets darkness because two lights are shining. You shine, let me shine. <laughs> Amen. So let me go to St. John chapter 9. I'm, 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 I'm retracing the message I gave last night. I hope you're okay with that. I'm retracing my message. St. John, um, John chapter 9, is it? St. John chapter 9. Anybody can read that for me. St. John chapter 9, verse... One, we started at St. John chapter 9, verse 1. And yes. as Jesus passed by, yeah. he saw a, a man which was blind from his birth. I'm talking about light, and immediately I go to a scripture where this man is blind. Yeah. Like something has going on here 
where Jesus is saying, I don't care what kind of darkness you're dealing with, I shine so bright that even if you've never seen light before, when I show up, there's going to be light. And not even blindness. Oh, let me keep going. And yeah. Thank you, Jesus. As Jesus passed by, yeah. he saw a man which was blind from his birth. A man who has never experienced light. A man who has never experienced what light looks like. He doesn't have a comprehension. I don't know how you explain to somebody who's never seen anything what the sun is. I don't know how that works, right? But this is what is going on right here. And the light that is in Jesus is able to light up even a blind man's life. Think about this. <laughs> Let's keep reading, sir. Verse 2, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? So they've got a concern. They have a cultural and a spiritual concern. If this guy's in such a bad state, if he's been blind from his birth, yes, sir. Yes, sir. surely somebody did something wrong. It's really, actually, it's a kind of uh, idea that springs out of karma. We think that something bad must have happened, which is why he's blind. And look what Jesus says in response. And master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he be born blind? Why was he born blind? Because he did something wrong or his parents did something wrong? What does Jesus say? Verse 3, Jesus answered, neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but the works of God, that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Amen. Uh, and keep going. I must work the works of him that sent me while this day. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. So look at what Jesus says. While it's day, I've got to work this work. And then he says what? The night cometh when no man can work. The night's going to come where no man can work. And what do you go on to say? As long as I am in the world, yes. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Jesus is making it clear here that even if you are in a permanent darkness, a permanent darkness that you've experienced from birth, a permanent darkness that you've experienced from birth that there is supposed to be no response for, I am still the light of the world. I'm the light when you're blind, I'm the light when you're in sin, I'm the light when you have problems, I'm still the light. Nothing you can do can stop Jesus from being the light. Nothing you can do. You're saying that the situation you're in is bad, yes, sir, yes, sir. he's still yes, the light. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're saying that the situation you're in cannot be resolved, he's still the light. Amen? He's the light of the world. Let's go now to the scripture I went to, to start with is St. Matthew chapter 5. St. Matthew chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. Now, Jesus said of himself, I am the light of the world. But now he's also saying of us what we are to him. This is a statement. Um, there's two types of ways Jesus speaks to us and the scripture speaks to us. It's indicative and imperative. These are just two words that mean something else. It just helps me think about topics. Indicative is what the Lord says about you. What he says you are. Imperative is slightly different. It's what he's commanding you to do 
given what you are. So if he says you're a holy people, you are holy. But he also will say, I'm commanding you to live like this because you are a holy people. Right? So this is a statement of imperative, meaning this is what he's saying about you. What the Lord says about me is way more important than what I say about myself. Way more important. Because I'm going to be honest to you, what I say about myself is going to be flawed because I am by nature sinful. And we just found out from Hebrews that sin creates deceit. So I can't trust myself. So I'm going to trust what he says about me. And what does he say? Are the salt of the earth. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost his savor. But if the salt has lost its savor. Wherewith shall it be salted? Wherewith shall it be salted? It's talking about you being salt. Amen. Amen. Salt. That's a weird thing to say. You are salt. What an interesting way to describe me. You are salt. Let's keep going. It is henceforth good for nothing. Yes. But to be cast out to be trodden underfoot. So you are salt, and if you're not very good salt, you're not gonna be very useful. So let's think about what salt is for a second. Salt, first of all, is a seasoning. In fact, today, it is one of the cheapest, most widely available seasonings on the planet. You can find it in the cheapest restaurant. McDonald's will throw the bag full of seasoning of salt. It, you'll get as much as you need. If you go to a hole in the wall, if you go to a hole-in-the-wall restaurant, looks terrible on the outside, they will put two things of salt out there for everybody, free. Take as much as you like, we don't care. And you'll get a $2 hot dog and as much salt as you want. Right? As much as you want. Salt's cheap today, but that's not how salt is when Jesus is speaking. Salt is a seasoning, yes, absolutely, but salt is more than that. Salt is a preservative, for one. Salt preserves food. We never got refrigeration until the 1700s. Never got anything refrigerated until about 1700 and something. So we've had to preserve food for much longer than that, and salt helps. So when Jesus says you're salt, he's not just saying you're a seasoning, he's saying you're a preservative. <laughs> also really important about salt at this time, is salt is used as a currency. If you remember, Romans are about this time and salt is actually a currency. Salt is so expensive and rare that they use it to pay for things. A Roman soldier would, would get a salarium. Salarium, the word salarium is the word we use for salary today. It is a payment in salt for the work you've done. It is so expensive that if you can be paid in gold, in silver or in salt. Jesus talking to you about being the salt of the earth isn't the same as saying it today. Saying it today, it could mean a cheap seasoning. But changing it, saying it back when Jesus was saying, he's saying, you are straight cash money. You are currency. You have value. You have value right now. You have value. And he's, the thing that I love about these, um, these statements, these indicative statements, is that it's not a work that you have to work to to get to. Okay, come on, come on. Yes, sir. It's a declaration. Yes, sir. Okay. You're not becoming light, 
You are light. You're not becoming salt. You are salt. He's saying this about you right now. You're not having to work into being salt and light. You are his salt and his light right now. So Jesus says, well, there's, you've got to work while it's day because the night's coming that no man can work. He's saying, I am the light. And he's also saying, you are my light. <laughs> you are my light in the world. You know, the wonderful thing about light is it doesn't care about how dark it is. You can take the weakest candle. You can take the most fragile light and take the deepest darkness that you have ever had and the light will always win. And the thing I want to really, really get into your spirit today is you are not just the light of your family. You are not just the salt of your family. You are the light and salt of the world. Like the darkness of the world cannot match the light that is in you right now. The other thing that, that is, is, is the same back when Jesus was speaking and now about salt is that it helps with certain food types. Like certain food types would be useless without salt. I, I'm a lover of chicken and dumplings. My wife has got me hooked on chicken and dumplings. However, I've tasted chicken and dumplings without salt. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's awful. Like you don't want to take, like we, you might say, oh, I love vegetables. You like vegetables with salt. Like you want a sprinkling of salt on that vegetable. You say you love it, but you love it with salt, right? You, 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 cauliflower, I love cauliflower, but you better put a sprinkle of something in there so that I can eat it, <laughs> right? I'm gonna tell you right now, you are the salt of the earth. What do I mean by that? You know that some of your parents, and the reason why you have the gospel, me, I'm gonna to speak to me. The reason why I have the gospel today is because there was enough salt in my father that I became consumable to the father, to the father of all fathers. You are the salt of your family too. There are parts of you that are, need to be necessary so that people around you can get close to the Father. You are making parts of your family and friends observably eatable by God, consumable by God. You are the, you are the, the thing that brings flavor to the world. You are the thing that allows us to get closer to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're the salt of the earth. He goes on to say, you are the light of the world. A city, could you read that out for me? Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Yeah. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but put it on a candlestick that it giveth light unto all that are in the house. The thing I don't want you to do as light is to hide your light. I want you to be proud of the light that you shine. I want you to be, I want you to love the fact that the darkness can't stand it. Like I want you to get used to that idea. That I'm going to shine so much that the darkness can't penetrate me. There was a, uh, a man 
uh, in antiquity. I'm coming down. There was a man in antiquity called King Mansa Munsa. My wife and I were just re researching him the other day. This was the richest, wealthiest man in the history of the world. He, richer than Elon Musk, richer than Bill Gates. He, if you look at his actual wealth compared to who, when he was living, he lived a several thousand years ago now, He's, he was in the Eastern Africa in a, the Kingdom of Mali. So he was on West Africa, excuse me, on the, in the Kingdom of Mali. And he was the wealthiest man in history. All the billions you think Bill Gates has got right now, his wealth dwarfed Bill Gates. All the money you think Elon Musk has right now, his money dwarfed the... And he got all this wealth because of gold, silver, and salt. That's how he got this wealth, because of gold, silver, and salt. So this man one day decides, I'm going to make a trip to Egypt. I'm going to go to Egypt, all the way from the west coast of Africa to the east coast of Africa. And the thing about a man who this wealthy, going on a trip like this, is he takes all his money with him, as much as he can, and he goes on this trek across all of Africa. The problem with this man being this wealthy and this generous is that everywhere he goes, he's sharing his gold, his silver, and his salt. Now, the people who he meets along the way, they are, you know, they're, they're reliant. The people that are kind of taking advantage of these people don't like this guy because everywhere he shows up, he's too generous. If somebody fixes his horse's shoe, he gives them so much money that they don't have to work again. And then he moves on to the next space and he got some cakes he likes. He gives them so much money that they don't have to work again. And he's doing this all the way across the entire continent of Africa from west to east and back again. He is disrupting economies, freeing people from work, inadvertently just because he's generous and he's wealthy. And I'm here to tell you that you are that kind of salt. You get to show up in people's life with the love of Jesus and deposit salt, which is wealth. And you get to show them more than they can ever have in this world. You get to free them from the debt of this world just by showing up with your light and your salt. You are way more wealthy. You may not know it, but you're way more wealthy than King Mansa Munta. Why? Because you have the light of Jesus in you. Don't be ashamed of your wealth. Don't be ashamed of your salt. Don't be ashamed of your light. You are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill that should never and could never be hidden. Love your light. Shine your light. Don't ever allow anybody to diminish you. Your light is important. You're the reason why the Lord still loves the earth. You are the savor. You make it palatable. You make it tasty. You are the savor of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. Don't let anybody convince you you're not the salt. You're salt, you're beautiful, you're light. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word.